taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of apologetics while taking truth into the arena of ideas. You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your hosts, Brian Chilton and Curtis Evelo, as we enter into the arena of ideas. Coming to you from the snowy mountains of Ronan, Montana, and the frigid hills of Pilot Mountain, North Carolina, this is uh, the Bellator Christie Podcast. This is a special 300th edition, 300th episode of Bellator Christie Podcast. And as we uh, get started uh, today, actually this also marks 10 years uh, we've been doing online ministry at bellatorchristie.com and on the Bellator Christie podcast. And just want to take a moment to um, reflect on uh, some of the podcasts or some of the, actually how this ministry developed. It's, it's interesting looking at God's plan, how everything came about and developed as it did. Uh, this actually started back in 2012, uh, or maybe even a little earlier than that. Uh, I was a pastor uh, down at a church in East Bend, North Carolina. Uh, or actually in the Siloam area, called Friendship Baptist Church. And uh, a friend of mine, his name was Shane, uh, he got me started on fantasy football, of all things. And so we had this interactive fantasy football league, and uh, we had these weekly podcasts that we would do talking about fantasy football league, of all things. And uh, and uh, interestingly, uh, we did this podcast, would publish it on uh the uh, published it on social media, and Daryl Spear, he's one of the members there at Friendship, and he said, uh, Brian, he said, I like listening to your podcast. He said, but why don't you do something more impactful, uh, something like in Christian theology, Bible studies, or, you know, he said, you're into apologetics. Why don't you do something like that? And then it's like a cartoon character. The light bulb came up on, you know, over top of my head. It's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And so it started off as uh, Redeeming Truth Radio on on Blog Talk Radio, and I, you may be able to still find some of those episodes there. Uh, but we were doing that for uh, a few years, and uh, Blog Talk Radio changed the format. And honestly, as they changed the format, it was a situation where we were going to have to delete some episodes. In fact, I did have to delete a few episodes. Uh, that I did early on in the ministry's uh, origins or beginnings. Uh, and so I honestly came to the point in time that I thought the podcast was over. I had a I had an online website, uh, pastorbrianchilton.wordpress.com. I thought it was over by that time. But uh, Dr. Mike Spaulding, he has a uh, radio program called Soaring Eagle Radio. He told me about Bluehost. He told me about how he was able to, to uh, podcast and own the rights to the podcast. And so um, I started praying about it, and God opened the doors to be able to do just that. And um, later on, as, as things progressed, I wanted to get a ministry that wasn't about Pastor Brian Chilton. But it was uh, could be a, col- a collaborative effort with many different individuals to focus on Christ because that's what it's about. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's what it's all about. And so um, 
Lo and behold, I did some digging. I was actually, I was thinking of Ratio Christi, Reason of Christ, a collegiate ministry there. And I come across this Bellator MMA. And so I was going to do something initially. It was going to be the Knights for Christ. But then I saw Bellator was a Latin name for Warrior of Christ. And I thought, so you have the Bellator from Bellator MMA. You have Christi from, you know, Ratio Christi. I looked it up and translated it. Bellator Christi means warrior for Christ. And I thought, that has a ring to it. So Bellator Christi was born. So we're celebrating 10 years uh, doing online ministry. And this, as we're starting 2022, uh, starting with the 300th episode. And so we're so thankful to have Curtis Evelo uh, with us. So we're going to turn it over to Curtis at this time. Yeah, well, three hundred episodes—that's pretty crazy. And and just to think, I've been, I've been part of it for two years now. I Absolutely. Mean, that, <laughs> how in the world did that happen? <laughs> that's all I can say. Well, I mean, why don't you tell the listeners about how God put us together podcasting? I mean, that's an interesting story too. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I had gotten a hold of you a couple of times. Uh, interacting with you about something that I had heard on, on your, on your podcast. And so, uh, you know, I, I wanted to interact and talk with you and, and as kind of time went on, it just kind of kept going. And then it was crazy because, um, I kept having this, this kind of just this desire kind of in front of me, something that I've never had before in my life. I, I'm not this kind of person, but to be part of radio, to, to do something with radio. And I'm like, what the world is this? And then, so then I just kind of, you know, kind of thought about it, prayed about it. And then I actually got a hold of you and said, Hey, I kind of think and wonder maybe if I should, you know, help out and, and, uh, feel like I should, uh, maybe, maybe help out with Bellator Christie on the podcast. And it was just kind of like, that's how it kind of came together. <laughs> I think we said, well, let's give it a try, see how it works. And, Two years later, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> still yeah, going goodness, strong. I, yeah, I mean, there were so many questions I had, though. It's kind of like, well, cool. If I'm the co-host, then I get to then I get to uh, then I get to ask those questions, and I don't have to type them out in email form. <laughs> <laughs> that does make it a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. So you, you started out by saying the frigid the frigid air of 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 Pilot Mountain, North Carolina. Yeah, I call that bunk. Well, you guys are warm. Well, for, <laughs> you guys are warm right now. For, for now, 40, for now we are. Degrees. For now we are, but we're, we're expected <laughs> tonight to get a uh, polar. I don't know if it's a polar vortex or if it's just an Arctic blast. Uh, I think we're supposed to have. Uh, I think we're supposed to go down in the teens overnight, and I think some areas are going to have a wind chill factor of minus two. So. Curtis, I don't know if you're sending that air down this way, but boy, it's getting cold down here. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, a buddy of mine just posted on uh, Facebook um, the uh, temperature on his truck um, on the east side of the mountain. So over in eastern Montana, um, the the thermometer on his truck in the middle of the day was minus 20 degrees. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, 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 and that's not that's not Celsius either. That's that's actually Fahrenheit. That's that's cold and that's not, stuff. That's not wind chill. That's the actual temperature. <laughs> no, that's actually that's actual temperature. That yeah, is yeah, insane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you just get you go out there. It's, what, 
here's the thing, and and all it is is just the difference of how long your nose stays stuck together when you go outside <laughs> when it's twenty below. Because like when it's zero, <laughs> when it's zero, it's cold, and when it's ten minus ten, it's still cold, and it doesn't it doesn't change any colder really. I mean, it's just like dang, it's cold out. But That's... you can tell because when you go outside and you go. <gasps> breathe in real fast you're you, you get that cold air in your lungs or you breathe in with your nose and your nose sticks together <laughs> <laughs> see that was going to be my next question can you tell a difference between negative 10 or negative 20 and zero? Oh, you know i'm sure there's people that probably can but nah nah it's, it's just, just cold, it's, cold. <laughs> it's just daggum cold yeah yep <laughs> so yeah it, it's never it's never fun but yeah well, let's welcome on the listeners, and I'll uh, I'll kind of get through this. So, I uh, wanted to just kind of say thanks to all the listeners and Happy New Year. Um, you know, the listeners and and the people interacting and the people engaging in the content that we put on the website um, and, and the and the stuff that we put on the podcast. You know, we got to thank them for making 2021 such a year of growth and blessing for Bellator Christie and and just. It's that interaction that starts making this wheel actually turn and move. And we know that this is God ministry. We understand that. But but the more people interact, it, it allows us to know the heartbeat of where the the questions are coming from. To know where maybe maybe we need to you know alter or change um, what we're what we're talking about. You know, it helps us be able to see what people are interested in. So we just want to say thanks for that. And we've been praying for, for God to work mightily in, in the listeners' families and, and in them themselves and uh, for them to become connected uh, connected with people that they can actually spread spread God's grace and, and his goodness and, and just, you know, be in the midst of people that may have questions we can have we can have the answers as Christians, as as listeners to this podcast, as listeners or readers of Bellator Christie. We can have the answers. We just it, it's we just got to step out and do it. So, just want to encourage everybody. But today, or um, I guess you know, to start out the year, we're going to talk about some challenges and opportunities um, that are facing the church right now, the big C church, yeah, the, the overall. Church in America. And, yeah. and let me just add, because this has kind of been a tradition uh, that we've done, uh, a yearly thing that we've we've kind of looked at the tradi- the challenges facing the church in the upcoming year, things that we're forecasting, we're projecting to be issues. And uh, but this is the first time we've really looked at the opportunities we have. Uh, so so we're adding a positive spin on this. Yeah, we have challenges, but let's look at the ways that we can have ministry or or better serve people coming up in twenty twenty two as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, I think there's enough people on board in Bellator Christie in the ministry that are in the, in the middle of all of our, all of the stuff, writing, writing, uh, great articles and writing stuff and just being involved with it that I feel a lot more confident, Brian, just kind of stepping out on the ledge. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. I I really do. You know? Well, and, and let me just add here as well. This is the first time, because we, we have now seven members of our team. 
we have right. a Facebook Messenger group where we discuss issues. This is the first time that this challenge list, challenge opportunity list, has been a collaborative effort from the entire team. Uh, so we, we had about about everyone. I don't, there may have been one or two that didn't comment, but I think about everyone com- was involved with this, where they added insights. Added. We had some great discussions as we even parsed through some of these things. Uh, I, I was on lunch break and was following the thread <laughs> of conversations that was going along, and I was loving them. Yeah. It was great conversation. Uh, so this is definitely a collaborative effort for the really for the first time that we've had uh, this uh, this list. Yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, it's kind of funny because, um, you know, it's like we had a we had a little bit in that thread where, um, you know, there were some good points being made and everything, you know, and then, you know, I put one out and you know, I guess it could have been one of those things where somebody could have taken it like I was offended or mad or whatever about it, you know, just but it's like. Well, the, the point was made, but what about this? I, I still sure. feel that like my point wasn't getting answered. And so what it allowed was, man, did it create some depth in the it, answer. It, it did. Holy it, buckets. It really did. The whole thing really grew. Uh, and, and that's one of the things I love about having, uh, and, and I would love for us to be able to do something e- even more uh, even more in the area of collaborating ideas and things like that in the future. But yeah, what, you know, we had some great conversations indeed. And I think that as the old, as the scripture says, iron sharpens iron. I think there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I thought, man, how awesome is that, that we got people at the level that we do involved at Bellator Christie. And I mean, I, I honestly, <laughs> I'll just be straight. I, I'm like, the like the sixth wheel out i mean seriously (laughs) because because i don't hold i don't hold the degrees and the things that that all the people that are involved with bellator christi which is just an amazing blessing but i know how to ask questions you know and And so it's like you got that common sense christianity too (laughs) yeah and it's like i'm gonna stir the pot in this one (laughs) (laughs) but it's good but it does is it allows people to I think it allows people to actually, you know, really, really expound on what they know. And gee, minis, um, absolutely. I mean, TJ, and I mean, oh my goodness, everybody that's involved are just—it's just so good. So yeah. And by the way, let's be much in prayer for TJ. Uh, we actually had a conference coming up this Saturday, but we had to postpone it. Uh, TJ and his family have the flu uh, this weekend, mm. so we want to be much in prayer for them. Ouch. But, yeah. I guess we yeah. better jump into this uh, yep. for for the challenges. So we've got twelve challenges. Do you got any? Do you got any? Do you got any like Rocky theme song or something like that that we can put on for the challenges? Because you know, I mean, because <laughs> you got to have something for to to have as the challenge. When I mean, we had the Twilight Zone on a while back, and <laughs> you know, so I don't know. Yeah, so here we go. How about this? <laughs> By the way, I played this for my son the other day. It's good 70-ish. This is the close of the Rocky II movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's with Apollo. 
Yeah, where he finally defeats Apollo Creed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, we have too much fun. <laughs> anyway, so the, so, the, so the first challenge that I that I think got brought up in our group in our group discussion was biblical illiteracy. This is such a deep subject and such a broad subject that, um, man, we could go multiple ways. But what did you have in mind there, Brian? Yeah, I think actually Michelle Johnson is the one who brought this up, and I think she mm-hmm. she did very well doing this. Uh, biblical literacy, this, this is an issue that, um, and as she mentioned on the thread, this isn't just an issue with uh, church members is is growing to be an issue with even pastors and church leadership, and you know Curtis. Before the podcast, we were talking about a, a growing trend where, uh, well, let me just say, uh, one of the dangers in Protestantism, and this isn't true in in all branches, but in in certain versions of Protestantism, there's no oversight to churches and pastors whatsoever. So what you may find is that there are that there is a, a charismatic. When I say charismatic, I'm not talking about spiritual gifts. A, a, a real likable person starts up a church, but there's no oversight to the church, and it, because this person has such a, a a personality that that people crave, and maybe that that person takes charge in such a degree that that person can draw a crowd. But the question is. Does that person bring forth biblical, good biblical hermeneutics, and does that person bring forth good, solid theology? The problem is, if there's no overseeing body, uh, then there's no accountability held toward that person. And I think that's why we see a lot of churches, a lot of heresies developing now. And this is one of the things we'll talk about here as well when we talk about number 11, uh, certain versions of uh, progressive Christian theology. Uh, I think that's that's a problem we're dealing with, not only in the progressive sense, but even in some very heretical, very heretical theological systems being developed. Um, New Age theologies. I think you mentioned maybe something along those lines as well, Curtis. Uh, some New Age thinking going on with uh, mm-hmm. with some churches there as well. This is a this is a yeah. real issue. It's and unfortunately, it's not getting better. It's getting worse as time progresses. Right, right. And I mean, as much as it's kind of a love hate relationship with the Bible in this aspect is the chapters and the verse. Mm-hmm. The chapters and verses, they are a great tool for us to be able to remember or to go to or to have on our top of our our head of, of where they are. But we have learned in a modern times now, we have learned to memorize John 3.16. Mm-hmm. But what's John 3.15? What's John 3.14? What's the story behind John 3.16? How Very did it – what what came about? How did how did all of this come about? There's a story that's involved. And, and by, by memorizing or just focusing on a verse, we forget that it's part of a bigger picture that actually is part of an even bigger picture. Yeah, absolutely. Seeing, seeing that passage of Scripture in the general theme of what's being said, what's going on, and in the overarching picture of the Scripture is incredibly mm-hmm. important, and it, can, and, cannot be, and it can't be overstated in my opinion. Right, right, and I, and so 
you know, it's kind of like I said, a love-hate relationship with the chapters and verses because they knew them as, you know, basically scrolls. They read them from front to back. Actually, from back to front, but <laughs> well, yeah. In the Hebrew, and then in the Greek text, you have uh, you have early on you have what the what's called unseals, uh, which yeah. which is are these uh, Greek texts where they didn't have the smaller letters. The unseals are harder for me to read because they're all in capitalized letters, and I'm so used to the modern way where you have capital letters and small Greek letters, so it's a little more difficult for me to read. But they would have these words just jam packed to save space. On some of the earlier documents, and but, uh, but but yeah, they didn't have chapters and verses. It was one long, ongoing um, mm-hmm. book, you know. So right. it uh, that there weren't. In other words, I mean, what I'm trying to say, there weren't chapters and verses when these texts were right. first written. Right. I mean, for example, we go into the book of Colossians. We can recite Colossians, or and you know. You know, two one or two four, and we can we can remember those verses and we memorize them and everything else. But do we remember, or is it being taught that yeah we're focusing right here on this target thing? But remember, this was a letter from beginning to end to the church at Colossae, so they would have read it all the way through like a letter you would have read from your mom. Absolutely. Yeah. By the way, there's something. There's some. I wrote an article. I hope it's it's very technical. I'm going to say it was just posted at moralapologetics.com. I hope to get it on Bellator Christie here soon uh, as well. But it's talking about the models of oral traditions. Um, mm. There was something that the Scandinavian school said that I think is there's a lot of truth to this. That in these letters that were written. Part of what they were doing is reciting things, reminding people, bringing to their remembrance the key themes and aspects of the Christian faith so that they, it would help them remember remember these things. Mm-hmm. And so if the church placed such a high value on these deep theological truths, it behooves us to do the same in 2022. Yeah. Wow. So we got number two. Church attendance during post-pandemic. This this uh, <laughs> this is funny. I had a conversation with a guy, a good friend of mine. Uh, he he's got a little dog he brings uh, to the the uh, hospice house where I work, and and just a, such a delight. But we were actually talking about this. Uh, he's not a patient, so I can I can say say this. We were talking about this, and um, he we he brought up a good point talking about church attendance these days and he he brought up a point saying you know it's funny to him and, and i and i agree with him he's it's a, said it's a funny thing that people can go to these concerts and they can go to these big events eight thousand people or more but yet when you have church service on sunday morning then they're afraid to come for the covid pandemic now understand i'm not be, i'm being unsympathetic at all if if you have concerns coming, I understand that. If you if you're afraid, but don't go to an eight thousand person concert and then come to church where it's less than eighty people and say you can't come to church Sunday morning with less than eighty people when you just attended an eight thousand person concert, you know, uh, on Friday night. It doesn't make sense. I think what we're seeing in this. Is that church member church uh, attendance was going downhill before COVID ever came about on the scene? Yeah. 
This is just empowering and arming people with an excuse not to attend church, and I think this is having a lot of major effects and impacts on churches. Tom Rainer has done some research on this, and uh, he suggests, and I think he's right, that uh, some churches may just end up needing to join hands, uh, link arms with other churches, and, uh, you know, it... It, it may be more difficult in certain areas for that to happen than in others, but uh, th- there's a good chance for, for churches to network in, in a way that they haven't done before. Yep. Yeah. Well, I think you're going to – I think you're getting a uh, – here, here we go kind of going down this rabbit trail, but I think you're getting an accurate uh, – a little more accurate representation of the real – church goers the real christians that are saying no i'm gonna do this you know because i say this all the time to people that you know maybe be struggling with uh with wanting to go you know work or do anything and you know whatever it is but when i'm sitting there talking to them and trying to encourage them i i'll say it all comes down to want and will oh yeah so so if you want to do it you will wind up going or you will wind up doing. But if you don't want to do it, you will not do it. Well, so, and, go ahead. Yeah, and I think there's a danger by not being held accountable to a group of people. Mm-hmm. You know, with the whole issue with Ravi Zacharias, mm-hmm. my understanding, now I don't, I may be wrong on this, but my understanding was is that he wasn't a member of a local church that he didn't regularly attend a local church. Norman Geisler, I have to tip my hat to him, he said that he had very little use for a person who is in Christian ministry if they did not belong to a church and didn't attend church on a regular basis. Um, and, I, and I think he has a point because, listen, if you, listen, I understand the struggle. Having gone through higher studies, academia, I'm not going to be fed by some churches in the area, and I get that. It's going to be a little more difficult for me to find a fit than it is for others. But you can't stop trying. You know, you've got to try to keep going to find the right fit for you, wherever that may be. Uh, but but the point is, is just to simply throw up your hands and say, "Well, I'm just not going anywhere." I think is very dangerous because. You won't be getting fed. Your family's not going to be fed. There's a reason why the early church emphasized corporate worship. And there's a reason why, was it the book of Hebrews says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, especially as you see the day of the Lord approaching. There's importance in being accountable to a local assembly of believers. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I don't want I don't want this to come across wrong, but but we're never too theologically smart for the Holy Spirit. Absolutely, absolutely. So so you know the Holy Spirit can move within whoever they he moves in, and the avenue that he uses, for pity's sake, he can use a child. Sure, absolutely. You know. But I guess the point I'm trying to make is, you know, in a lot of places it becomes more of a conversation about the weather and these yeah. anecdotal type of things and no exposition yeah. of Scripture. You know, I've been filling in in a lot of yeah. different churches here lately, 
But before that time, we uh, were uh, attending a church where uh, th- this uh, actually is a Liberty grad who was the pastor there. He did a fantastic job. I was fed every single Sunday I went. And uh, my word, I mean, he went deep in the scripture and just always left you thinking about something. So what I'm trying to say is there are churches out there. Don't just throw up your hands and say, well, I'm getting fed by this one church. Keep looking, you know. Yeah. If you can't get along with Christians, and I understand there are good Christians, there are bad Christians, but understand this, we're going to be spending an eternity with them, so we we need to learn how to get along with the people of God now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's it's just like a, you know, a key in a lock, you know, some keys don't fit in the lock, Mm -hmm. you know, it just don't work. So we just, uh, keep digging, keep looking. Absolutely. And, you know, I I get it. People have been hurt by the church, their struggles that's going on. And and I'm, and I understand that. I understand better than most about that, but still, we, we can't forsake attending church altogether. Um, just for the sake of convenience, Uh, it's, it's damaging to your, to your, I think it's damaged. It's hard to be, Especially as things are the way they are now, we need the companionship, we need the camaraderie of other fellow believers, and especially our families do as well. Yeah, but I, I guess we better so. move on. <laughs> we so, number, number three is understanding historical and cultural context of Scripture. That's a big thing. Yeah, and I think this was another Michelle uh, comment here, too, if I'm not mistaken. Um or maybe that was you. I can't remember if it was you or Michelle. But anyhow, this is this this goes back to biblical illiteracy. Uh, we have to understand. We have to understand the context of Scripture to be able to accurately convey the message being given. You, Curtis, you and I have talked about the whole reader response uh, theory as opposed to the authorial intent. You know, we need to have that authorial intent where we are trying to seek out the message that the, the, the author, small a, is conveying as he's being led by the big A author, uh, you know, that being God, uh, writing Scripture mm-hmm. down. Yeah. And number four, I thought this was good, uh, detriments of screens with biblical skill. I had never thought about this. This this was another <laughs> one from Michelle. And I yeah. had— Sword drills. <laughs> yeah, and this really goes into number one. I, yep. I know, I know the convenience of having the Bible up on screens, uh, and having the words of the hymns up on screens, and and I'm not saying there's anything wrong here, and I, I don't think Michelle's saying there's anything wrong with that. But when there there gets to be a point that the, that the screens are depended on so much, a person is not going to know how to be able. To handle their own yeah. Bible, they're not going to know yeah. where the concordance is, the maps are, or even to even right. flip through. I mean, for pity's sake, I remember growing up in church, we memorized the books of the Bible. Uh, yeah. When I attended you know, early Bible college, that's one of the things we had to do: memorize the list of books in the Old Testament, the list of books in the New Testament. Uh, but I dare say that yeah. the people who could do that these days are very, very few compared to what they used yeah. to be. Yeah, I mean, we had to memorize them from the beginning to the end, and mm-hmm. then the end to the beginning. But then, growing wow. up as a Catholic, guess guess what else I had to memorize? The Apocrypha. <laughs> oh, really? So, yeah, that's right. Because yes. you have what seventy three books? Is that right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so it was like, 
Wow. Okay. But yeah, so I mean, you did get a lot of. Um, yeah, you you did get a lot of training in as far as letting your hands uh, tactile, you know, being touching something along with a visual connection in the location of the book. So you just you you automatically had a feel or a know where it's at kind of in the book somewhere. You know that, you know, if you if you if you're looking for James it's not going to be at the beginning of the Gospels. Right. It's going to be at the end, and you're going to be... So you know that that little sucker is always, you know, you, you can miss it by two pages, you know, and you just sit there and dance back and forth trying to figure it out. But, you know, it's... I think it's that... And it's no different. It's no different than 20 years ago. We used to have everybody's phone number memorized. Yes, Yes, and you know, I and mean that goes a, a lot along along a lot along the lines of oral traditions too, uh, with people yeah. being relying more on memory than than I mean because honestly anymore uh, I'm right there with you. I used to have a whole list of phone numbers that I had memorized, but now yeah. since I have the smartphone, it's made me dumb uh, because yep. of not being able to memorize those things. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It. And, and now we got Apple Watches that 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 you can just make phone calls from, and it and you just I mean it, it's like oh my goodness, there's just so many things that we're my I mean the tech some of the technology great, uh, it's awesome to have, it's really nice to have, but you know if mine fell in the toilet tomorrow, I wouldn't it wouldn't bother me, <laughs> it really wouldn't. Well, it, it may surprise you, but I fought for a long time to keep my flip phone rather than going to a smartphone. Well, but I'm it, right with you. The only reason I have a smartphone is because I can have the Bible on it, which is the exact <laughs> reason we're talking about right now. <laughs> the the re, honestly, the reason why we well, we eventually went to a smartphone is because the data package was a lot cheaper than what it would have been to keep the flip yeah. phone. So it it became an economic thing. So uh, yeah. I'm right with you. So, uh, number five is apathy and alarmist thinking. Yeah, and number five and number six kind of go together. Number six is yeah, worry. Yeah, yeah. And uh, these yeah. these came from TJ, uh, and so I think that this is a good good point to be said, to be made. Uh, yeah, on the one hand, you do have apathy, uh, which is a lack of concern for. You could say lack of concern for church, lack of concern for evangelism, lack of concern for um, the church in general uh, or, or theology. Uh, it's just a, a greater I don't careedness uh, going on than what it has been. And of course, here again, the more people are out of church, the more people are. Uh, yeah. That that's going to impact the level of apathy as well, and compare that or contrast that to alarmist thinking, and this co coincides with worry. Uh, you know, on the one hand, you have people who are unconcerned, or aren't concerned about anything, but on the other hand, we have individuals who are living in fear, um, and this development of worry now granted there are physical things that 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 do impact a person um which have to be treated as such but still there's a lot of times i think that we we just worry about what if what can what will happen um 
And I think sometimes we, we come to this approach thinking that we have the solutions to all these problems, when in reality we don't. Uh, some of this is going to come down to the work of the Lord. I think some of this is part of the whole arrow of history as we see progress as we progress toward the book of revelation and to that new creation that's coming i mean we were told jesus told us that there would he told us in the olivet discourse that there would be pandemics there would be diseases he told us that there would be famines he told us that there would be wars and rumors of wars he told us that all these things were going to happen earthquakes storms all these things but these were merely birth pangs associated with the return of christ and the end-time events that were going to be laid out in the end. So, ultimately, I think this comes down to an issue of faith. Uh, do we really have trust in the plan of God? And that doesn't say that we throw up our hands and we don't do anything. But at the same time, it does mean that we trust the plan of God. We do what God's called us to do, but we're, we're not like Chicken Little always looking for the sky to fall. Right. And what's crazy is, so, each one of those categories that we talked about just now, you know, apathy, alarmist, and worrying, right? Mm -hmm. Those, each one of those can have their own little pockets of people that just stay in that bubble and never get out of it and get in. So, they don't ever see anything beyond that. And so, the alarmists think that the apathy people in the apathy bubble are just are, are just uh, you know toads and not going to do anything, and then the guys that are worrying say the alarmists are are, are being radicals and crazy, and so it's like it, it creates. And then, like we just talked, the screens, the smartphones, the computers, all that allow us to stay in our own little bubbles yeah. for way too long. Well, and I think too we have to trust the plan of God because I'll be honest, yeah. uh, as I try to always be honest, but. I was hurt deeply in church not too long ago, and I just just to throw this out here. I thought God was done with me in ministry, you know, as far as preaching and, and pastoring and and things of that nature. I thought, well, maybe God just closed the door on that. I honestly, you know, really believe that. But it's kind of like God does it sometimes, or at least He does me, kind of like a mother bird does its chicks <laughs> to get them to fly. They push them out of the nest. <laughs> Yeah. And so, lo and behold, uh, there were a few months that I didn't preach, but about every single Sunday since then, uh, I've been filling a pulpit somewhere. Isn't that crazy? It, it's insane. insane. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, yeah. Yeah, I thought the door had shut that God was finished with me in, in uh, preaching, and but obviously that's not the case. That's great. But that so, shows that shows how God will sometimes push us out of our comfort zone. And so, yeah. you know, we can't stay in those bubbles, and that's the point I was trying to bring out. Yeah, so get, so it's getting us out of our bubbles. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, scientism, that's number seven. Yeah, so this was one This was one that came from Tony uh, Williams, who's one of our, who is our newest uh, uh, member of uh, Bellator Christi. Uh, scientism, he's, he's talking, he talks about, uh, he spoke about how he is seeing in his area a complete devotedness, uh, unquestioning anything having to do with science. 
Uh, this comes along the lines of evolution. This comes along the lines with uh, several different theories as such. It's, and, and he brings up a good point because it seems like that physicists have become the priests of the New Age. Of the new time frame, instead of going to the 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 pastors and scholars, philosophers, people are now going to the physicists. But here's the thing we have to remember, and this here's a good Frank Turk Turkism. Science only provides us data. Science doesn't tell us anything. Scientists do. They interpret the data, and interestingly, <laughs> interestingly. Many scientists do not agree on many different things. I mean, there are many scientists even now who were bucking the whole idea of evolution, as it was is popularly understood. Um, There are many scientists who are, uh, you know, there are many scientists who are promoting this idea of a multiverse and bubble universes. There's a lot (laughs) more that's saying, you know, that is essentially. a philosophy and not really grounded in science or mathematics. There isn't the idea of inflation. There are some things that come from that, not arguing that point. But still, uh, I think Tony brings up a good point that there is this wholesale devotion to science without looking at the data ourselves or trying to understand the data and uh, just honestly taking physicists and scientists as being the new priests to never be questioned. Right. And it's crazy because there are things that science cannot answer and science cannot be applied to. So if we think about things, you know, yeah, things can be solved with science, but our conversation, as natural as it is, there are things that I can ask you that come in a philosophical way or come in a, uh, a, a more of a theological way that science cannot answer. Science by itself cannot answer whether God exists. Right. Um, it cannot deny the existence of God. Science looks at data. And here's the thing. And what I mean by that, I think science can help us, can point us in the direction of believing in God. Yeah, I think there's absolutely. more than enough evidence to do that. But science can never disprove God because, and here's the reason why, God is not something, is not someone you can place in a test tube. He's spirit. Uh, mm-hmm. But science, if you follow the science and go deep in it, you will find that the answer to why there anything exists is that it, there must be some type of cosmic mind who is immaterial, who is uh, spaceless, timeless, uh, obviously, yeah. obviously spirit of some sort. Yeah. Well, there is one person who answers that qualification, those characteristics, and that's who we know to be God. <laughs> And it follows along the logic of Thomas Aquinas. That's exactly what Thomas Aquinas said years ago, uh, that that uh, the whole causal effect points us to points us to God. Yeah. Well, the the statement, even the statement, uh, science can verify everything. That statement cannot be verified by science. Science cannot verify itself. Science cannot You're verify right. science. It, it takes a philosophy. Uh, it's, it, it takes a person's philosophy to adopt the scientific method. Now, I'm not saying there's right. anything wrong with the scientific method, but you have to philosophically accept causal relationships 
and that things can be tested to produce results before the, even the scientific method works. There you go. So yep. it comes down to philosophy in the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got me on my which soapbox. There's colleges that are taking the philosophy course out, which is crazy. Yeah, that's 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 ridiculous. It's absolutely mm. ridiculous that there are universities and schools doing that. So we've got lack of gospel centeredness. I think, if I'm not mistaken, this one came from Justin Angelos, uh, and, and I think he's right. I think there are a lot of churches that are focused on several different things, but not necessarily the gospel. Uh, I think in many places it becomes more about the facility and not as much about evangelism. Mm -hmm. And we're going to leave that up to the the people of the church to ask the pastor, what is the gospel? Yeah, what we what we need to do as congregants is to actually hold our pastors' feet to the quote unquote fire of of what is the gospel. Explain to us what it is. Sure. Yeah. So we so we know what it is. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So it's a good. I think that's that's a good point. Um, number nine is a works based salvation. I honestly can't remember who said this. Uh, I don't know if it was Tony I or... I, yeah, I don't either, but I'll tell you what. I think it may have been it Tony. Is, it, it's one of those things that it just always, always keeps coming up. It's like weeds in a garden. It, it, it you know, is. It, yep. We have these things called uh, morning glories around here. They produce beautiful flowers, but they are the pestiest things you'll ever see in your life. There's like these little vines that grow in the ground, and they will climb up walls. They pop up everywhere. They're almost impossible to get rid of. I mean, they pop up everywhere. And that's kind of like this philosophy, this work-based salvation. Uh, it may have those pretty little flowers to make you think that they're nice, but they'll take over if you're not careful. It's not about the works we do that bring us to salvation. It's about the grace of God. It's not about us. Mm. It's all about Him. And we need to repeat that yeah. over and over and over. It's not about what we can do. It's all about what He has done and what He is doing and He will do. And that He being God mm -hmm. and Christ. Yeah. Uh, number 10 is uh, lowered ethical standards. This was one I think I uh, put on the list. L lower ethical standards. I am I'm seeing, even in the apologetic community, uh, uh, and not only in the apologetic community, but just in the overall ethos of the church, seems to be declining. And it seems like that uh, th there's no, there's very, there's a lack of respectfulness for other people. There's the inability to engage with those with whom we disagree. Uh, it, it just seems like the ethical standards we have are really being lowered uh, in, in dramatic fashion. And I think this is a problem because we are, in many ways, a living testimony of Christ's work in us. And so if we don't take seriously uh, the ethical standards of the Bible, and even let's just call a spade a spade. In many circles, uh, right is being called wrong and wrong is being called right. Uh, the, the morality mm -hmm. of the church is is, uh, is decrepit in certain areas. Uh, this is a problem. This is a problem, and I think it's only growing over time. Yeah. 
Yeah. There's so much we could go into and in talking about that. I think, you know, that might be something that, you know, one of our team members should actually pick up and, and write an article about, because I, I truly think that it's something that's, um, it's, it's a plague that I think it, it's, it's kind of like, um, it would kind of like be the workspace salvation just on the other side of it, you know, um, yeah. 2.0 kind of deal, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So the number 11, which is, I think could have been at number one also was progressive Christian theology. Yeah, and by they the way, talk about a morning, morning glory <laughs> weed and and thistles and everything else. My goodness. And by and by the way, this this is no particular order. So number one was just the first one it was listed. So yeah, yeah. I know. as I'm saying, for time wise, we could have started on this one and we yeah. never got anywhere. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a whole lot that can be said on this. So so progressive Oof. Christian theology. This is not so much about politics as it is. About about this really talking about you know work based salvation that it that a person becomes their own god in some circles uh, now yes there are other aspects of this that will adopt and accept the uh, the the unethical things that we had mentioned before but we won't really go into that but really by and large this progressive Christian theology is making it less about God less about Christ. But more about the person, more about in some circles, or an agenda, or, or a movement. Yeah, in some circles, it's very yeah. new agey, where uh, yeah. you will become your own god, so to speak. Uh, it's the god within you, in certain circles, and this is this is really. Uh, you talk about a morning glory, a secret of, well, not a secret of, but one that's really growing rampantly. This, this is it. Uh, Melissa Childers, we hope to be able to get her on the podcast maybe next summer for our next uh, yep. summer interview series. Uh, she wrote a book on this very issue, and this is this is an issue we need to really observe. A lot of big mega churches, even around North Carolina, the Bible Belt. They're really starting to present and project some of these progressive concepts, and unfortunately, even among Christ, conservative Christians, some of these ideas are being adopted and adapted into their lives. Mm. Yeah, what a dangerous thing! It, you know, um, talk about like you know when you go on vacation and you come back and the weeds are have taken over the whole whole yard <laughs> that's so the, you're like whoa what happened that's that, what this is that's what we deal with behind our house it's kind of like a like a visual um illustration of of what we're talking about we have to constantly <laughs> spray weed killer on certain the edges of our yard or otherwise these weeds and, and this debris this underbrush will take over uh and we yeah. you, you go for a while you go off on vacation like you said you come back and it's like a jungle <laughs> yeah yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, and and the progressive Christian theology, you could say, takes on such different looks to each to each and every one. It's almost like a, it's almost like a they get to rewrite whatever they want. It's it's yeah. kind of it kind of goes down to also with this progressive Christianity. It's kind of like my my buddy David um David Vaughn says, he says 
the the devil doesn't have anything new. It's just all rewritten and redone and Amen. reprogrammed. There's nothing new. A- Amen. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So let's kind of hustle through the opportunities here, we, Brian. We, we're we actually in here. Yeah, we actually had one more challenge, and this could actually be an opportunity oh, as okay. well. Um, num- number twelve, uh, and this actually came from an article written by Tom Rayner, uh, and it's the this is a, an increasing problem um, that there are many pastors leaving the ministry uh, who are, some retiring and they're not being replaced by younger pastors. There are many pastors who are burned out. I heard just recently a pastor of a large church um, recently resigned because of anxiety issues, because of pastoring the church through the COVID pandemic. Um, There are two things I would say here. We need to pray for our pastors, and beloved, we need to support them. You know, I listen. I know we've got a lot going on, and we need to be able to come to our pastors and and, and pour out our hearts to them whenever we have issues and and um, and things of that nature. But pray for that pastor. Uh, he is carrying on a far greater load than you can ever imagine. Pray for our pastors yeah. and try to support yeah. them as best you can. Right. And so with that, that's a challenge, but it's also an opportunity. It's Absolutely. an opportunity. We could we could calculate that into the opportunities as it's an opportunity for those of us that are a little further down the road to help start raising up pastors that are biblically literate. Yes, absolutely. And 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 understand uh, historical culture. Um, understand the detriments of screens and are not. Uh, are not uh, sympathetic to the to the apathy to the apathetic uh, people, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Just kick them right square in the butt. Let's go. You know what I mean. So, see, so, see, you won't get that on every right podcast. <laughs> What's that? You don't get that on every podcast. That's the strength of Bellator Christie. You kick them in the butt and get them going. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's. I mean. If we raise up the right people with the right heart and the right understanding that this God's church, the thing about it is our, our former pastor was so, so adamant about reassuring us that it's God's church. If he raises up the people within, then that's what he does. If he tears the people down, then that's what he does. If he takes the people away. Our pastor didn't, you know, he, he he didn't believe that it was because of him that they showed up. It's because of what God was doing. So it's just an understanding of that. Well, and, and I think here, too, just to add another thing, I, I think that a lot of times, and I've seen this increasingly, too, a lot of times there's a disconnect between the elders of the church, and I'm not talking about an official position. I'm talking about the older members of the church uh, and and the younger mm-hmm. members of the church, I think mm-hmm. the biblical model shows us that the older members of the church mentor and groom and and train the younger members of the church. Another thing too, we can't we can't have a person uh, get saved one day 
and then automatically take leadership roles in the church the next day. That's unbiblical. The Bible says that that uh, new converts should, really right. should not be pastors and really should not be deacons even because uh, because because the devil will come after them and and they won't have that training and grounding uh, right. to stand upon. So so really and truthfully. Uh, we need to do a better job of discipleship and even grow, in bringing up these future I mean, leaders. Well, I mean, think about this, okay? Just just for for the for the people that are listening that are that are um, you know a little bit more seasoned, a little bit more mature. If we think about this, the devil used scripture when he was meeting Jesus in the desert in the wilderness what would you why would you think it would be different with a young pastor that has no experience with that I mean true he's going to twist he used scripture didn't necessarily have it fully uh, use it fully but he used used it and twisted it and made it manipulated it into what he wanted to, to make it sound like he also did tell some truths or use scripture to tell a uh, somewhat of a truth statement but what would you what I mean why would you think that a young pastor would be able to defend that off when even you know even Jesus was challenged at that moment you know yeah and and Jesus is the son of god and even he i mean he he never gave in but obviously that had to be a struggle for him when he hadn't yeah eaten for 40 days 40 nights and you know he's being tempted to make bread from a stone and to you know the devil saying well all you have to do is bow down and worship me and you'll have everything you can take the easy road you don't have to go to the cross you just bow down and worship me i'll give you the easy way uh, i'll give you the get rich quick scheme mm-hmm. <laughs> how many people fall for that Oof. you know so yeah. That's why we have to have better discipleship in the church, which, by the way, could very well be an opportunity that we could, you know, that that could actually probably be one of our first opportunities, even though we didn't have that listed. All right. So we have greater ability to connect online. Even though we just talked about screens, it is a uh, detriment, but it's also a, a, a blessing, too. Yeah, so so here the great here what we're talking about especially you're talking about screens we're talking about the small screens people people desire community and this is also another one of the opportunities we're talking about and mm-hmm. while it's not the same as in person you know um, communities um, we, we still can build friendships and relationships with people through through the internet through i mean in fact it's it's funny we mentioned this you know curtis because we, we my wife and i were talking about how hard it is to find good friends and i and i had mentioned you and tj and many others i said you know we're not we're not like next door i mean you're in montana i'm in north carolina right. tj's in illinois right. uh but i said you know i consider these guys genuine friends even though there's a great distance you know separating yeah. us and yeah. so we've built friendships and, and camaraderie uh, ev- through 
the the means of uh, text messaging, emails, and and through uh, social media. So there are some benefits that can be had that we can take advantage of uh, to build communities, to connect with people online uh, who may not be right next door to us, but to be able to grow a community that's interested in learning uh, some of the things that we have to offer. Yeah, that's good. So uh, growth of spirituality is another one. So what – and this is interesting. This is something interesting I found in, uh, in, in my work as a chaplain now that uh, I have – and I, you know, I've got to be careful because you know, I'm, I'm speaking of generalities. I'm not speaking of any one particular person or thing. Right. Um, I have come across very few atheists. Now, I have, uh, I have met many people who, who do not attend a church anywhere. But what I have found is that many of these people, I dare say the vast majority, 90-plus percent of the people who don't attend church anywhere are still very spiritually minded. And as I look at mm-hmm. online and as I look at, um, at, at the world in general and our nation in general, I don't think that there are as many so-called atheists out there as we think, a lot of the people in the nuns category, N-O-N-E-S, that have no church affiliation are still very spiritually minded people. There's, people are searching for something. You know, for the existence mm-hmm. of God for most people, most people do believe that there's a God of some sort. But it's just, you, the fields are ripe for harvest is what I'm trying to say. Is there, there are many people who are searching and judgmentalism and and uh, you know coming at people saying you know don't do this don't do that that's not the way to come across build that kinship let them know about that there's a god who loves them a god who wants to save them build that relationship with them first i would say but when, and then once you build that relationship there are many people who are searching and and we have the answers that they're seeking and it's found in Jesus. Yep. So I, you know, this is for me. This is a very exciting time. There are many spiritual people out there. We just have to be willing to engage conversations, befriend people, uh, and uh, build those relationships. Right, right, totally. So we got uh, decline of materialism. Yeah, and this is something I put posted on here. Uh, why kind of goes into the last one too? It really, it does. It really fits together like hand in glove. I think that um, to be a materialist, I mean, I'm not saying that there aren't people out there who are materialists. They are, but I dare say that they're far more in, in the minority. And this kind of goes along the lines with the, with the last thing we mentioned that the rise in spirituality. Uh, I think that people who who basically claim that the material is all that exists. Uh, it, the, 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 that's that's a growing to be a minority, growing to be fewer and fewer all the while. Um, I think there's just too much evidence out there for people to to uh, not believe in an immaterial spiritual domain, and um, yeah. And I think this is adding to the decline of materialism. Yeah, I'd have to agree. We could go into a little bit more on that, but. Maybe that'll be just a conversation we have or, or an opportunity later on. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I think I think more and more people, they know something's not right. Right. And so they, they just know it is. 
you know something's not right so they so they know that um the the answer is not found in just a process or or something you know so i i think there there's definitely there's definitely a curiosity a rise in it you're seeing um people kind of going into some pretty wonky weird stuff just to find answers yeah. and the enemy is willing to give them answers oh sure really yeah. you know so we just got to be smart about it and i think that's what bellator christie does and i think that's what a lot of apologetics um and understanding of why what and where and how and everything that we have and we know once we have that footing and that base i think that allows us to be stable and it allows us to not be offended or not be caught off guard or not be in a in a state of worry that we don't have the answer you know it, it's it's super easy i think there's a lot of opportunity there absolutely so we've got another one it's renaissance renaissance of free will uh soteriologies so soteriologies I, I would have yeah i would have to agree that's that's kind of a big thing that we're starting to see and man it's really kind of taken taken a leap it, it has and this is coming in three different branches uh, is coming from the Molinist perspective, which we've talked about a bunch, the Provisionist perspective, which is more of a traditional Baptist, traditional Armenian version of soteriology, and, and it's also coming uh, coming by Thomism, uh, which is a uh, a, a blend of uh, determinism and free will as well. All three of these are growing exponentially. And what I found interesting, when I started studying theology, one of the most popular things that was being discussed was the Reform Movement, the Calvinist Movement. Uh, There was that Armenian arm out there, uh, but it wasn't really getting the the attention and the traction that, that traditional Calvinism was. And I think it's exciting because I think there are a lot of people out there who are just really disenfranchised with the whole Calvinist movement. They see the problems that's found therein, especially as as God has made the author of evil. Um, I think it's inescapable. Uh, I think there are some people who've tried to argue against it. I think it's inescapable, quite honestly. But um, nonetheless, you, you're seeing this renaissance of, of Molinist, Thomists, and Provisionists arising um, we have, you know, obviously William Lane Craig on the Molinist side, Tim Stratton on the Molinist side. Uh, we have uh, you know, several Thomists at SES uh, who's who's popularizing the Thomist uh, version, and right. uh, um, and our guy uh, on Soteriology 101 uh, advocating the Provisionist method there as well. Light and flowers. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and boy, does he do a good job with that. Oh, he so, does. A fantastic um, job. So we also have the search for a community, you know, people looking for that. And like we talked earlier, here's opportunities um, to be able to join in. Yeah, I was actually, the other day I, I caught something um, on television where they had these individuals on a on a network channel 
that was talking about uh, they were talking about the importance of building communities they were encouraging they actually on the secular show were, were encouraging people to get back to church to build communities in a religious mm. religious area, religious realm, uh, or just to build communities in general, that awesome. it is important to have that personal interaction. And so I think there's a growing acknowledgement that community is important for a person's health and development. Yeah, yeah. I think we all know it. I think it's a, just intuitively we we know in our in our hearts and in our mind. It's it's no different. It's why do we love being around family? Yeah, you know, absolutely. So, um, so we have a couple here that I wrote in uh, cultural apologetics. Yeah. So, TJ, this is one that TJ mentioned, uh, and and he's right. Uh, th- this one was kind of kind of late uh, late edition. He's absolutely right. There is this uh, this this love and you know, passion for superheroes. Uh, and I'll be honest, I love the Marvel comic movies. Um, mm-hmm. And there's there's a growing trend. People love these superhero movies. They, they love these different things. And so there is a growing trend. Uh, there's a growing uh, opportunity for us to be culturally involved and look at the philosophy behind these different shows. Pick out the philosophy because every show, every book, every every television show, every movie is trying to present a message of some kind. The key in cultural right. apologetics is to find that philosophical message, break it down, see what it's what it's uh, trying to say, and then either offer uh, a, an acceptance of what they're saying or rebuttal if they're saying something that's a little unbiblical uh, or or away from the Christian worldview. And and this, quite honestly, is a is a uh, growing opportunity. I was blessed to have three of my articles at Moral Apologetics listed in the top <laughs> ten uh, that for twenty twenty one, and at least two, if not all three, of those listed were in the in the realm of cultural apologetics. One of them, I, I don't think one of them was. One of them was dealing with the whole issue of uh, of issue of empathy, but I think the other two were based on uh, Marvel movies and things of that nature, engaging cultural apologetics. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, what else you got to add? Because we're about done here. Well, last one, I would say online training. You know, uh, you know, for people who find themselves yep. uh, having problems with biblical literacy, illiteracy with problems with philosophy, uh, theology, you know, we here at Bellator Christie are offering that training. There are, there are, there may be some opportunities later on that we can offer a more formalized training um, post-PhD days for me, but uh, I think there are opportunities for us out there to capitalize on that, so stay tuned. Hopefully, maybe we'll have something uh, along those lines later on, but uh, even now, you know, even now there are opportunities out there that people can take advantage of. Um, listening to the Bellator Christie podcast, sending in those questions and things of that nature. And by the way, starting next week, uh, we're starting a new winter theology series on Christology. And following along the line with our uh, Christology series, that would be a great way of uh, building a biblical understanding on these different issues. Yeah, yeah. start now. So, yeah. 
Well, thanks, folks. And we here at Bellator Christie want to thank you for spending time together with us. And we value that time. Our prayers that this podcast helps stretch your mind and is a place to strengthen your faith as we strive to create an atmosphere of discussion and as a reliable source of information. Join us next time on the Bellator Christie podcast. Until next time, Brian and I say, close your own, friends. listening to the Bellator Christie podcast brought to you by bellatorchristie.com the opinions of our guests represent their own and may not reflect those of Bellator Christie Ministries or its affiliates the Bellator Christie podcast and bellatorchristie.com are protected under creative commons copyright all rights reserved the opening theme is the song crucified written by John and Michaela Limanis performed by Crosby Lane and produced by Mansion Entertainment Be sure to visit our YouTube page at www.youtube.com forward slash Bellator Christie. Also, please consider leaving a positive review on the apps where this podcast is found. We thank you for joining us today and hope to see you back the next time that we step into the arena of ideas. Hi, I'm Dave Baggett. I'm the director of the Center for the Foundations of Ethics, previously called the Center for Moral Apologetics, at Houston Baptist University, which in this fraught cultural moment of eroding moral foundations exists to explore the ultimate questions about ethics. What explains intrinsic human value, for example, or what accounts for authoritative moral obligations or essential human equality or basic human rights? We aim to foster a community of scholars from an array of disciplines to delve into these questions with care and rigor. In the process, we hope to highlight the evidential significance of bedrock and axiomatic moral truths when it comes to matters of the human condition and ultimate reality. In June of 2022, we will be kicking off our certificate program in moral apologetics, a four-course sequence on the history of the moral argument, a course defending moral realism, a course defining and defending theistic ethics, and a course that reveals the shortcomings of secular ethical theories. So check it out on the HBU website and at our own website, moralapologetics.com. Have you ever wondered about the Christian faith, but have become bogged down by difficult terminology? Are you a Christian and faced doubts and you didn't know where to turn? Maybe your faith has been challenged and you don't know how to respond. Or perhaps you desire to learn more about how to winsomely defend your faith, but you do not have the time nor the finances to enroll in seminary. If any of these situations describes you, then consider purchasing a copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics. This book confronts the challenges facing the Christian faith, but does so in a way that is accessible to everyone. The Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics is available in softcover, hardcover, on the Kindle, and Nook. Consider purchasing a copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics from your favorite bookstore today.